Hello, 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 my amigos. Welcome back. Welcome back to the bonus part of today's FYI. And a big thank you to all of you once again, all my patrons, for making this possible. As you know, a lot of work goes into this podcast, a lot of love and a lot of passion uh, and a lot of time. And, uh, well, it's always great to know that uh, my time is compensated because, of course, that's time I could be spending with my family. But I enjoy doing this and I love the feedback I've been getting from you guys. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And as I said in the first part, any suggestions on how I can better this experience for you without adding too much extra time to my timetable or my schedule, well, I'm all ears. Remember, this show is for you guys. So if you're not enjoying it or you don't like the topics or you want to hear a certain topic, just let me know. And I can't say it's going to be the next one we do, but I will definitely put it in the pipeline. In the pipeline is, uh, si tenemos algo por venir, we say it's in the pipeline. Really native expression. All right, well, guys, uh, I told you I was going to tell you, what did Sherlock Holmes have to do with skiing? Well, not really Sherlock Holmes. I lied. Well, I misled you. To mislead is engañar. De como no decirte toda la verdad. We talk about misleading when we talk about advertising. We say, well, this is misleading. In your advertising, it says two for the price of one, but in the fine print, la letra pequeña. So, uh, eso es engañoso en cuanto a te hacen creer una cosa. They make you believe one thing when it's really something else. So, sorry to mislead you, but at least I taught you that word. Uh, it was Arthur Conan Doyle. Sir, excuse me. Sir, Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. That's right. Well, he discovered skiing. Not him. He didn't discover the sport of skiing, but he discovered skiing when he moved to Switzerland in 1893. And, uh, well, he was living in Switzerland, and the doctor, his doctor, his wife's physician, had prescribed, to prescribe as recetar, um... Fresh mountain air. What a great prescription. Vaya receta. Uh, I'm going to prescribe you get uh, fresh mountain air. Uh, okay, where do I sign up? Donde me apunto? I think that's the best drug you can get out there. Fresh air, uh, beautiful views. And so that's what uh, his wife was in bad health and in poor health, we could say. And, uh, well, uh, the doctor said, you guys need to get to a place where she can get some fresh mountain air. They went to Switzerland, and he saw some brothers who were skiing. And they were going around town, but they were doing it at night because people were mocking them. To mock or to make fun of is burlarse de. So he joined them, and he said, guys, what are you doing? I mean, I, I caught you guys. What, do you, what is this thing? They're like, oh, yeah, join us. We're, you know, we're going to slip, slip around here at the slopes in the snow and jump around. And, you know, people didn't really know what it was yet. So uh, he, he said, this is awesome. And, of course, he wrote about it. He brought skis back with him on trips. And, of course, uh, it just takes one influential person to write about their experience or to, to make it popular. Now they're called influencers. Well, guys, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the original influencer, the OG. <laughs> OG is how we say original gangster, un gangster original de la vieja escuela, from the old school. And uh, so, yeah, he was the first Englishman, supposedly, uh, according to the Telegraph, he was the first Englishman to write 
about the thrill of skiing, la emoción. It's a thrilling experience. It's an exhilarating experience, to use another adjective we often use with nature and excitement, emoción. So what did Sir Arthur Conan Doyle say about skiing? Okay, this is his quote. Voy a citarlo. As near to flying as any earthbound man can. Lo más parecido a volar. As near to flying as any earthbound man can. Now, earthbound is, otra vez está la palabra bound, que viene de binding, right? We said the binding binds your foot. El participio is bound. So it's a great word. If you don't learn any of the, the, the hundreds of words we look at today, learn the word bound. Uh... And it's true. It's a feeling of flying. I wish I could describe. A lot of times I try and describe to people what snowboarding is uh, to me. I should say was to me because many of you know I got hit by a car. And, uh, well, I, my knee was broken. And uh, the doctor has said, no more snowboarding, buddy. Sorry. And so uh, doctor's orders, como decimos. Me lo ha pedido el médico. Uh, but that doesn't, I'm not going to rule out uh, snowboarding with my daughter in the future. What I'm not going to do is, you know, fly down the slopes at 85 miles per hour. I, those days are done, como decimos. I don't think those days are ever going to come back. And you know what? It's a good thing. I don't need to be going that fast on anything. And whether you're wearing a helmet, a helmet is un casco. And now let me just take a moment to say this as somebody who was stupid many, many times. Wear a helmet. I'm going to quote my mom. Voy a citar a mi madre. Wear a helmet. Wear protection. Protect your knees. Protect your spine. And whatever you can, guys. Come on. You know, it doesn't cost too much extra. It's maybe a little more uncomfortable. But when you, when you bite it, right, to bite it, to bite the dust, right, when you eat it, otra forma de decirlo también, la comes, <laughs> piénsalo, well, um, it's, uh, you'll be happy you were wearing a helmet uh, because there are many injuries that come from uh, snowboarding, especially, uh, well, there are specific ones. Skiing has its own injuries. I can speak from experience uh, in snowboarding. Uh, some of the common ones are a broken wrist, wrist es muñeca, because think about it, in skiing you can fall any number of ways. Te puedes caer de muchas maneras. But snowboarding, you're going to either fall forward or backwards. So you're either going to screw up tailbone, coxis, right? Coxis, I think you say, your tailbone, uh, or your wrists. Uh, shoulders also suffer, because if you don't get there in time, your shoulder, you could eat, uh, uh, you could eat it on your shoulder. Eat it otra vez, no es comerlo, es eh, darte un, un golpe muy fuerte, right? Uh, collarbones, el hueso aquí del cuello. So those are some of the ones. If you're lucky, you get a sprained ankle, un esguince en, en el tobillo. That's if you're lucky. So protect yourselves. As we always say, it's better to be safe than sorry, right? Better safe than sorry. Mejor eh, prevenir que curar, si no me equivoco. And I agree. Maybe when I was when I first got started, I was like, I don't need a helmet. I'm not going to wear... Don't be a hero. Don't be stupid, especially when you go 85 miles per hour. Or... Uh, like our friend Ivan Origone.
Ivan Norigone from Italy. Italy, very famous for their skiers. I always think of Alberto Tomba, the bomba. Uh, he was very instrumental in popularizing skiing during the 80s, I remember. Tomba la bomba. Um, so this guy, though, Ivan Origone, has the record for the fastest person on skis. And that record is, I'm going to give it to you in kilometers and miles. So that record is 250. Well, you know what? I'm going to round it up. To round up is estimar hacia arriba. To round it down. Te lo tengo que explicar. Okay. <laughs> uh, and round it off is al más cercano. So it's a good way to say to estimate something. So I'm going to round it off, uh, even though I know when you're talking about records, you don't. But uh, 255 kilometers. He is just seconds away from 255 kilometers per hour. Um, I've never gone that fast in a car. Uh, I don't, I've, of course, I've gone that fast in a plane, but you don't feel it. You know what I mean? When you're in a plane, you're not feeling that speed because you're in this big thing. But when you're on a snowboard, you're feeling it. And guys, I just looked up my record. And I know because thanks to our apps and our smartphones and the fact that my friends and I were always racing to see who could get down fastest. Um, well, uh, 85 miles per hour, are you ready for this, is 130, well, I'll round it up, 137 kilometers per hour. Now, I think about that, having a daughter and, you know, being a responsible adult, and uh, not a good idea, not a good idea. I didn't think it through. To think something through is pensarlo mucho, <laughs> no en profundidad, right? Uh, okay, so let's talk about some unheard of Resorts Now, unheard of es insólitos. Que, escúchalo, piensa la palabra unheard of. Nunca se ha oído de ellos, right? Because everybody knows Aspen. Everybody knows the big ones, you know. You talk about uh, Sierra Nevada, Baqueira, all these, you know, amazing places. Uh, Trevalet. There you go. There's my French pronunciation again. But my point is there is a lot of, a lot of countries have ski areas that you wouldn't even expect, such as North Korea. Yeah, North Korea. Uh, has Masik Pass. Uh, there's another one in Israel, which is Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. I, did, did you ever think of that? I mean, you think, I'm going to go to Vermont. I'm going to go snowboarding. Because even Japan, you're like, okay, Japan's got some great snowboarding. But there are certain countries that you would never think of as snowboarding countries. In North Korea, Israel. Uh, there's another one in Afghanistan. Bamyan in Afghanistan. It must be an, an intense experience to go to a, a ski resort in one of these places that's, as I said before, off the beaten path. Eh, por el camino menos transitado. And I think that's cool too, you know, uh, to discover places that are less popular. Because, for example, uh, in Madrid, I know we have Valdez. I always forget the ones in Madrid because you want me to be honest? You're going to kill me. I've never been to the slopes in Madrid. I've hiked, remember to go hiking is hacer senderismo, I've hiked, but I've never, um, I've never skied, or I should say snowboarded in, um, in Madrid. And you know why? I hate going to a place that's crowded. I don't want to be waiting 20 minutes to get on a ski lift. Uh, you know, I don't want to be waiting 20 minutes to get a beer or a quick sandwich or a snack. So I like to maybe, you know, when I snowboarded, I always thought, okay, I'm going to spend a little more money 
but I'm going to go to a place that's a little more difficult to get to or, you know, because obviously the easier, why are the ones in Madrid um, so popular? Well, they're connected to Madrid, a metropolis, you know, so that's normal that there are going to be crowds. And also a little trick, obviously, like with anything is if you can go in the early season, you know, right before it turns peak season, temporada alta, you know, right in the off peak. I remember some of the greatest times I've ever had was in April in short sleeves uh, at Sierra Nevada. Like seriously, it was 25 degrees. Sierra Nevada, 25 degrees centigrade Celsius. And I just remember saying, this is, is this, uh, is this allowed? Am I allowed to be like, you know, a, a spring day and playing in the sun? And uh, it was, of course, as I said, the views of Granada. And then we didn't mention too much about it, but the Apriski. It's incredible. Opera ski is, I think opera ski, they figured it out. Because obviously when you go snowboarding, you go skiing, you want to make the most of the day. The day ends around four usually because it gets dark and it gets colder. Maybe the conditions are icier. So what do you do? You drink. <laughs> We call it happy hour in the United States. They call it opera ski. And it's great because, you know, if you go out in Madrid, you don't go out until 8 or 9 p.m. or later if you're going to go out uh, for, you know, drinks later. But for dinner, not at, at least until 9 p.m. And, well, uh, so, you know, by 11 o'clock, you're like, oh, okay, I had a couple glasses of wine with dinner. But opera ski, you know, 4 p.m., you have a beer or two. By 6 p.m., you're like, I'm ready for bed. I'm going to have a little dinner and go to bed. So it's a different timetable you're on, too. Now, mind you, I know people who pull an all-nighter. To pull an all-nighter means to spend the whole night partying, to not sleep, and, and go right on the slopes. And you know who that person is? Yours truly. Un servidor. I know, I admit it. And some of the worst memories I have are when I was hungover or I just, you know, Uh, I didn't sleep well. So it's like, it reminds me of the running of the bulls. A lot of people think of it, yeah, it's a time to go party and have fun with your friends on the slopes, you know, uh, in the middle of this beautiful paradise. But uh, also it's a sport and you got to pay attention and, you know, there, your life could be in danger. I hate to, you know, exaggerate or overstate it, but it's true. Uh, I've, as I said, I've been on glaciers and there was one time And I'll never, ever forget this as long as I live. You guys know, I, you know, I like to be frank with you here. I, was fly, I went up a glacier with a friend. This was at, uh, I don't remember where. It was in the French Alps, I believe. And we went up a glacier. And I remember it took us like two or three hours to get to the top of this glacier on ski lifts. That's how, that's how high up it was. You had to take like a lift to a lift to another one. And, and you were just like, oh my God, this is, this is never ending. And we got up there, and it was like a two-hour ride down. Imagínate, dos horas de pista. You're just flying around for two hours nonstop. I, it took a long time to get there, as I said. And, uh, and I just remember it was incredible. It was uh, th probably the, the most beautiful view I had ever seen in my life. But uh, as soon as we were nearing about the middle of the journey... I was flying into some off-piste, fuera de pista. You know, I was going off uh, and uh, playing in the powder. And I was going full speed ahead, lo que os dije antes, a todo gas. And my friend went down another path. El se fue por otro lado. And then I saw him stop. 
And he was like waving his arms at me like, stop. And what I hadn't realized is I was about to fly off a cliff. Estaba a punto de eh, salir volando por un precipicio, por un acantilado. And thank God, my friend, uh, you know, he saved my life, I could say there, because I saw him flailing his arms, como decimos, flailing his arms, and I, I was like, what, what? And I, I, he's like, stop. And I stopped, and I was at the edge, el borde. And that day, I remember having a couple extra shots of whiskey, and I don't drink hard liquor. But that day, I was like, okay, man, you got to respect. You got to remember, you're in nature. Who's the boss there? You or nature? If you think it's you, maybe you shouldn't ski or snowboard. <laughs> Just a little FYI from somebody who has had that experience. And you know what I recommend? Instead of spending a day and going over there and you know spending a day with your face in the snow like I did when you learn, uh, I recommend places, if, if you have one near you, you're lucky. If any of you live in Dubai or in the Madrid area, uh, Dubai has an indoor ski area, Madrid as well, Sanadu. These are great places to learn and to learn the ropes, as we say, aprender como van los tiros. So um, I didn't start snowboarding till I was about 25, 26, which again, a shame. I wish I had been doing it all my life. That's why you got you to gotta try things before you say, oh my God, where were you my whole life? ¿Dónde estabas tú toda mi vida? But I feel like the moment I discovered it, I, <laughs> I dedicated my time, my money, my energy to that. And, and I don't regret it. No lo arrepiento. I'm sure I've spent, if I start to do the math, a lot more money on snowboarding and, and all it entails. Because some sports, you just go out to a field like sled, you know, if you, if you go sleigh riding, which is, I think my love of snow started there. As a kid, I grew up in the mountains and we used to play in the snow. And you know what the best part about playing in the snow is? The hot cocoa after. The hot chocolate with marshmallows. Oh, the fireside. That's right. I mean, those are that. that's the greatest part. When you're skiing and you spend the whole day up and down and then you're sitting next to the fire at the lodge, La Cabaña. That is a great moment. And you just feel like you got some exercise. You relaxed. Uh, you got your nature in there. So I've always loved nature. I've always played in the snow. Uh, sleigh riding. As I said, we used to wait for the lakes to freeze over. And I grew up in an area with a lot of lakes, lagos. And we used to uh, make an ice hockey rink. And we would play for hours and hours and hours out there. And what was cool about that, and that's what I was getting at, I saw Eva, that to go snowboarding or skiing, it, I gotta, it's not cheap. It's a costly, it's, a, it's an expensive hobby. But you can, you know, you can go out there, get a pair of skates on a lake. Now, <laughs> we were uh, quote-unquote experts on if the lake was frozen. But remember, that, that has its dangers too. Remember this. If you don't learn anything from this episode, don't play around with nature. Don't mess around with nature. Don't test Mother Nature. You will lose. So uh, even though I didn't snowboard until I was 25, I've always had a love of you know, outdoor sports in general and outdoor winter sports because I thought it was a good way to go play out in the snow and, you know, not be sitting inside. In the summer, you got a million reasons to go outside. But when it's colder, as I said, you got to bundle up. It's it's more of an effort, right? So, uh, but then I caught up. I, as we say, made up for lost time. Uh, recuperar el tiempo perdido. And I have to say, I am so lucky to have snowboarded in some of the most amazing places. Uh, Killington in Vermont, 
uh, is one of the, the ones that I'll have nearest and dearest in my heart because I remember my friends when I was in high school and I didn't snowboard, they would come back from Killington in Vermont like a rite of passage. They would come back and say, I survived Killington. And Killington, no, no, no porque dice killing, pero it's actually well, Killington because it's some, it is amazing. It is huge. And as I said, Vermont, they were pioneers as a state uh, in snowboarding specifically. They weren't allowed to snowboard in many, many places until later in the 80s and 90s. And even some people later than that, which is when you think about that now, uh, you know, most places, everybody's welcome, even people who are on snow scooters, you know. So Killington, Vermont. And you know why that was a great moment for me? Because I remember... Even though I learned a little bit at Sierra Nevada, that was my first time and that was a mistake. I was sore for two weeks. Con agujetas dos semanas. I remember that very clearly. <laughs> I cursed that day. <laughs> but uh, Killington was the first time I went down a challenging slope. Okay? Challenging is que era medio dificilillo. And I didn't fall. I went down and I was in control. And I remember, for me, it was a control thing. I was like, I said to the snowboard, you will not control me. I will control you. And, and that was our fight. And finally at Killington in Vermont, at a place that for me was like the Disney world of, of snowboarding and skiing, I conquered the mountain. I got down in one piece. I didn't eat it. And I remember a friend's girlfriend saying to me, and this just, my ego, mi ego, olvídate, my head was huge. She goes, you're really good. And I'm like, I am? I was like, wow. <laughs> she, she doesn't know. <laughs> so I guess I faked it really well. And that's, you know, my love affair just got deeper and deeper. I've been to Paradis Ski. Paradis Ski is gorgeous. Uh, that's where I went to the Aguil Rouge uh, glacier. And that was just fascinating because you could see uh, Mont Blanc, you could see all these amazing mountain tops, these peaks, as we call them, picos, you say the same word. And I remember too, you could see the uh, airport at Courchevel. Now, Courchevel is one of the most exclusive places. It has its own airport on the slopes. Su propia pista en las pistas. Hey, wait, that's interesting. Su propia pista en las pistas. Yeah, it's got its own airport on the slopes, its own runway, que es la palabra pista. And this is Courchevel. Now, I've been there, but uh, as you can imagine, I didn't arrive by plane or helicopter or anything. We went there by car, and it's because we went to Paradiski, and they gave us a free day. Uh, you know, they said, okay, free day, because because we bought a seven-day pass. And one of the places on the list was Courchevel. And I said to my friend, I go, I know it's a one-hour drive, un caminata de, de una hora en coche, but... Cochevel, man, we're going to be there with like, you know, the James Bond types, you know, these Russian billionaires and, you know, the, it's, it's like a place uh, that's very exclusive and very expensive. And I said, dude, we're going to go free. And we did. And uh, I, I remember we were very skeptical. We we're like, uh, Cochevel, mucho nombre, you know, yeah, yeah, sounds good. A lot of hype. But you know what? It really was as good <laughs> as they said. I mean, we got a day full of just powder and one of the things that I loved is you didn't have to wait. When you went to the bottom of a hill, there was like another five ski lifts going in different directions. And you could just choose whichever one. And there was never a line. Nunca había cola. So I said, yeah, I guess this place is expensive and hard to get to. But 
I know why. Because you're alone. Like, there were so many people, but you didn't feel like it. And that was uh, that was great. That was Courchevel uh, near Paradisi. Tignes, Tignes. Well, I pronounced that wrong. I, I learned the last day. It's not Tignes. It's Tignes. And Tignes is uh, amazing because it's got these underground like ski lifts that they shoot you up to the top of the mountain. And that's that's an experience, I got to say, to say the least. And then Spain, man, we're very lucky. Sierra Nevada, what an amazing peak. And one thing I love about Sierra Nevada, I've told you already a few things about Sierra Nevada, but... A lot of times when you're, you know, in uh, you're at a ski resort and you're in the middle of the Alps, you, you lose your perspective. Everything's mountainous. There's huge mountains everywhere. There's 3,000 meter mountains everywhere you look or 2,000, whatever. And, you, you know, you, don't, you have no comparison, nothing to compare them to. But when you're in Granada and the only thing you see is just that big peak there, you really get a sense of how high you are in the air. So Sierra Nevada, one of the most amazing places in the world. And I remember, I think one of the days where I felt like the luckiest guy alive was when I went to Sierra Nevada with my friends. We went snowboarding in the morning and we were having beers uh, at the Hora de la Tapa, which is 8 p.m. in Almeria. (laughs) We were having beers on the beach barefoot, uh, sin zapatos, uh, you know, and uh, I said, wow, we were in the snow earlier today and now we're in the sand winning. So Sierra Nevada, and it's a stone's throw from many places in Spain. Baqueda is another one, very exclusive place. Uh, But for me, Baqueda, the slopes are great, but I feel like they've got to update a little bit. This happens a lot too. Of course, ski areas, since it's a seasonal business, they don't want to spend too much money on upgrades. So some places I, I see fall into disrepair. And I don't mind so much. If the slopes are good, I don't care about the hotels. Let me be honest with you. But I think Baqueda, maybe it's time for a little upgrade, in my opinion. Now, I haven't been there in a long time, but it's a swanky place. So it, you shouldn't feel like you're in the 1970s. Um, and uh, and that's about it, guys. I'm trying to think of what else to tell you here. But, uh, oh, uh, I guess skiing. I don't know in skiing if there's a left or a righty, a lefty or a righty. Es que eres de izquierda. No, de izquierdas. <laughs> No, that you're diestro y, y zurdo, right? I think you say. We say a lefty or a righty or left-handed or right-handed. Well, uh, in snowboarding, I know it's different. So you can ride regular or goofy. If you ride regular, your left foot goes first. It goes down the mountain at the bottom part. And if you ride goofy, your right foot goes first. And the best thing to do, in my opinion, obviously there's one that you're going to tend to. There's one that you're going to be more, it's going to be more natural for you, I should say. Um, But the best is riding switch, right? And to ride switch is poder cambiar. This way you give your other leg a rest. Dejas que descanse una pierna. (laughs) So remember, uh, it's good to, you'll have a certain inclination to goofy or regular if you try snowboarding, if you take up snowboarding. But if you can learn switch from the beginning, you'll do yourself and your legs and your muscles a, a favor. And uh, you know what? As I said before, um, you can tell how passionate I am about snowboarding and how much I love it. And the doctor said I shouldn't do it again. And I, I took that as you shouldn't go back to what you were doing. So you know what? I think uh, when my daughter's old enough, I don't know if it's going to be this season or next season. I can't wait, but I'm going to take her. I'm going to get back on my snowboard, which is going to be a very symbolic moment for me. 
Uh, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go 85 miles per hour. I'm not going to go to the edge of any cliff, but I'm going to hold my daughter's hand and I'm going to bring her down the mountain, down the bunny slopes. The bunny slopes, me encanta, de conejito, porque pegan saltitos los niños. The bunny slopes son los principiantes. And so I'll, as the Terminator said, I'll be back. All right, well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And, uh, well, if you want to know any more or have suggestions, uh, please let me know. I'm all ears. Thanks for joining us for another episode of FYI.